There's the, the throne of God, basically the center, which makes sense. Then the throne of heaven, that God will be in the center. He'll be the center stage of what's going on. Around God is a rainbow that engulfs the throne room of God. Again, none of us know what that looks like because none of us have ever seen that before. So, so it's, it's, under, it's up to interpretation and imagination. Now, listen, on. There's also four creatures with countless number of eyes. Um, which we'll get to later, around God. And there's an eagle, there's an ox, there's a human, there's a, there's a, there's a lion, very creepy, but they have means and purposes. And then, and they're in front of the throne room of God. So, think of the throne room. There's seven lamps that are blazing, like, like, like basically like burning light, super bright light, seven lamps. And then, from our, our interpretation of this, in front of the lamps is a sea of glass. So it's like a sea of glass, seven lamps that are burning on fire, a throne with creatures around God, a rainbow surrounding that, and then here's the craziest part. It says that, well, potentially, there's thunder and lightning happening at the same time with this rainbow. So think about like God speaking, you know, and then around all of that, around God's throne, or 24 other thrones of elders, which again, the elders is another part we'll talk about. It, we don't know exactly who that is, but there's 24 elders around God's throne. And they come into play all throughout Revelation. So, pretty amazing scene here that you're detecting. You, Caitlin? Well, we have a lot of things. We should have a Narnia there. Right? <laughs> Dude, I, I, I know okay. every word to Narnia. Listen, I want you to, I want to read all to you guys first. I have a question. Yeah, I'll get there in a second. I want to read this. Let me read it off. You may explain it. Okay, so listen. Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says, after these things. So this is taking place after the he, he gets revealed about the seven churches. So remember with the seven churches in Revelation? That was present state, basically. So when John was talking to the Spirit, or talking to Jesus, uh, he was talking to the churches. He instructed the seven different churches, man, things to do to be a church that he loved and not get your lamp stand removed. And then things that if you don't, if you continue doing these things, God's going to remove his hand from that church. And these are things that God hates about how the church is coming in today's time. So that was kind of present state. John is seeing the present state of the world. Now, John is taken into futuristic state. So I want you guys to begin to think about that. As you go through the rest of Revelation, pretty much the rest of Revelation is futuristic state. So we're now talking about to come, at least to John's time. Uh, so it says here, After these things, I look, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, the throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. Now, one is a palace, capitalized there in Revelation, basically it means God. What does it mean God? And then it says, and he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, 
And on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in I'll explain like what they potentially who they potentially could be. There's some interpretation that can be left up to. Um I saw twenty-four elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns and gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne. So when you guys think about that, like a really bright lamp, but it's burning with fire. I mean, that's crazy thinking, thinking about that. And then it says, um, these are considered the seven spirits of God. We'll go through that a little later. Now, last part here, verse, verse 6. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass, like crystal. And in the midst of the throne, and around the throne, and here's where it gets real crazy, okay? Listen closely were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. And, and there's no number of eyes. We have no idea how many eyes. Full of eyes. Now listen. Listen. Um, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature like a calf, or some people say ox, or oxen. kind of depends on your interpretation. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were all full of eyes around and within. So they also had eyes within in themselves as well. Um, and the living creatures do not rest day or night. And without resting, as they're awake, they chant basically the entire time. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Like, you think about those words. If you think about that word, those words, what is that? It's a worship song. We've seen that in church. But in this context, think about, think about that. Like, we say, oh, that's a pretty worship song. But what that's referenced in the Bible is living creatures with eyes front and back and in them singing this day and night. Oh, Jesus. 
is just very basic that John was looking at the, at the present state of the churches and then all of a sudden the Spirit of God brought him up into heaven on what it would look like back in the day. Makes sense. Another interpretation was uh, would be that John maybe was in heaven but he was brought up to the throne of God um, because it talks about a door being opened and so maybe though he was in like another layer of heaven and got brought up to the high point of heaven which would be the throne room of God when God would reside. Um, so either way, either way, um, basically the point is up here is God, uh, John is now brought into heaven in the throne room, okay? How he got there is not really that important. I thought if anyone saw God, they died. Yeah. Oh, now, now remember, this is not actually... Um, happening physically, this is all vision that God is having. So, um, so, um, John is seeing what will happen in the future. He's not actually living it. Does that make sense? So, it, it's like a, one of those visions that, like, it feels realistic, it feels like you actually did it, and, like, there's some visions that, you know, you feel, you can almost, like, feel things physically, you feel like you're really there, but, but, in a sense, John is still having this vision, so it's not necessarily that he is truly living through this. Does that make sense? Because all this, again, is futuristic. He's yet to come. So he's he's kind of like a fly on the wall. Does that make sense? He's kind of seeing what's to come, but he's not really living it um, per se. Okay. So now we're going to the 24 elders. This is probably one of the most debatable things in all of Revelation. And you're going to see this all throughout the rest of Revelation these elders are mentioned. They have a very important role in the end times and in the throne of heaven. The problem is, we don't know who they are. Um, because Revelation doesn't say who they are. It doesn't say, like, hey, the 24 elders are so-and-so. It never says that Probably throughout Revelation. However, 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 now listen, not knowing who the elders are really doesn't matter as far as the meaning of Revelation, because you don't need to know who they are to understand Revelation and why God's doing this. So that's probably why it's left out, because it's not necessarily an important point. And, and, and God probably also knew that if he told us, people would debate about it for years and centuries, like, well, they should be an error, you know what I'm saying. So um, there's probably some reason it's left out of the, of the Bible. However, if you want to speculate on who the elders are, here's a few logical explanations. Um, one could be, 12 of them could be leaders, um, leaders of the tribes of Israel, and 
and the other 12, like before he said, to be the disciples. And so if they're not leaders, the tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, this is Old Testament leaders, this is New Testament leaders, and so in a sense, it's like you're merging the whole Bible together in the end times, and everybody's coming together as kind of 24 key figures throughout the Bible are all sitting around the throne room at this time. It makes sense. That would be one. Um, so that, that's possible. Another one um, is this, okay? Another possibility is that these are special church leaders. Now, now here's why. Here's why people will say this. If you go through the Bible, like in First and Second Timothy, it kind of goes through um, basic qualifications to be an elder, overseer, seer. Back then, elders in the Bible and the New Testament were pastors. And so when, when they say 24 elders in the New Testament, um, yes, it could mean this or something else, but it could just simply mean that they're talking about pastors. And what pastors are they? None of us will ever know that until we get to heaven. So it, it could be some special church leader that maybe, maybe you know, God really ordained that pastor for that season. You know, maybe, maybe somebody like Billy Graham or somebody. We don't know, you know, like I said. But that's another interpretation of that. And so these are two pretty logical, you know, yeah, really solid church leaders back in the, in, in the day that did awesome things. Or the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples. I kind of like the first one. But again, we don't know. But to me, the 12 tribes and the disciples make sense because Old and New Testament come together in one. Thank you. I'll probably not. I did. Uh, um, but uh, listen. Shh. Okay, now listen. Now, hold on. We'll get to questions at the end. Um, I want you guys to also think about this. Um, they were also clothed in white with a crown of gold on their head. That's pretty awesome, actually. Um, crown that clothed in white was very symbolic back in that time. And being clothed in white in church history back then, in the biblical history, basically meant that you were clothed in the righteousness of Christ. So that makes us believe that whoever these elders are were very, very faithful Christians. Okay? So which would make sense either way you go here. If you're going with leaders in Israel, disciples, church leaders, whoever, they're very faithful believers in Christ. Okay? So we're going to put that right here. Faithful believers. Or faithful followers. Maybe that one guy who went into heaven without um, dying. <laughs> yeah. The be. one guy who okay. went into heaven and just like, not believing in no, God. Now, another thing is when you die, you probably heard this in church a lot. If you're a Christian follower of Christ, you say, you say what? You receive the crown of life. So the crown of gold on their heads could just be that they are followers of Christ. They're in heaven. They have this crown of gold, and maybe that resembles the crown of life. Again, that's full speculation. Gold also back then was very valuable and a sign of royalty. And so it could simply mean that they were royalty, which also makes sense that they're a leader of the tribe of Israel or a famous priest or pastor. They would be considered royalty back then. Okay, so first kind of point I want you guys to think about here. 
today. If in your life today, if you're John and you get brought up to this and see all this craziness happening around you, one of the biggest things that would stick out, though, is the power of God. Because God is sitting there with four crazy-looking creatures beside him, all these elders around him that are worshiping him, the creatures are praising him, there's a rainbow over the ark, over the throne, and lightning and thunder is happening behind it. And now here's another thing about thunder, though. Thunder back then is not necessarily always the thunder we hear today. Sometimes in the Greek interpretation, thunder literally meant like a thundering voice. And so it could simply mean the thundering part. The thunder is happening because God is speaking. So when God is on the throne, he's speaking to the elders, and he's speaking to John, he's speaking to those in heaven, you hear a thundering like roar. Because it's like a powerful, powerful voice that echoes like throughout heaven. And so, that, that again, so if you go into heaven to see this, it would probably blow you away, like, oh, freak. Like, <laughs> like I'm little me and John is here. And so the, way I, the reason I say that is because in our lives today, sometimes in our church, we like to minimize God as like, he's just a friendly person, just kind of hanging out, chilling, going to BFF, you know. And God does want to be a, a, or Jesus wants to be a friend to you and wants to come alongside you and guide you, but he's also still God. And God is also still one that's going to judge eventually in the end. And when you realize that God is that powerful and eventually one day we're all going to have to face him face to face in heaven, you know, you have to answer for your life we're living now. And it may not always be, well, it's okay, you know, it's fine that you went off and live 30 years in sin, you know, it's okay. There will be judgment one day, too. You know, God does forgive, but there's also still consequences for sin. There is a judgment day that's coming. And a lot of times, again, in the Greek culture, that thundering, a thundering voice, typically a thundering voice was happening because judgment was being issued. And as you're going to see throughout Revelation, it's God's judgment, basically, on the world and how he's going to bring the world to an end. And then eventually those that follow him will be left with him in heaven for all eternity. And those that don't will be banished. But basically, you're going to get to judgment day. And so, it's, it's kind of a good perspective to think about the power of the Lord and the importance of the actions you live today. If you're brought up there, how would that conversation go? If you had to face God face-to-face today and answer for your life, all of us, including myself, have made tons of mistakes. But could you say that you truly are a faithful follower in the, in, the, in the grand scheme of things. Or could you say, no, I'm not really a follower of God. What kind of judgment will be issued to me? Um, so here's the next part here. Um, and, and we'll probably close on this. The number 24. There's 24 elders. Again, people say this because of certain reasons. But why 24? Why not just have a few of the people? Because not, if you do do the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples, not all the disciples were great people. Think about Judas. Okay? So, that's another speculation. Church leaders. All church leaders have still made terrible mistakes in their life. And so, um, you know, why 24? What's the significance of the number 24? Well, you're going to hear this in the Old Testament as well. And it comes in Chronicles. And ironically, it's in Chronicles chapter 24, which is kind of funny, because it, you know, originally they didn't have numbers and, and verses, or chapters and verses. But it says here, 
The number 24 has significance in the Bible when you look at where it was used and what it was meant, both back then and possibly during this time. In 1 Chronicles 24, the descendants of Aaron, who were priests in Israel, were divided into 24 sections to determine the order in which they would minister before the Lord. Think about this. So, back in the Old Testament, you had 24 people, okay, and they were divided out based off probably their faithfulness to the Lord. 12, 16, 3, 24. They were divided out based off their faithfulness to the Lord, and that was their kind of ranking of what position they had as far as worshiping the Lord, serving the Lord in the church, serving the people, things like that. So when you look at that number, and you look at the 24 elders, and again, all of this is playing around leading up to judgment. And judging, judging the world, basically, and judging all those in the world. When you think about your life today, if you are a Christian, just because you're a Christian and you know one day you're going to go to heaven, you, I want you guys to also think about if you were to go to heaven today, where would you fall in the ranking system? You know, if there's, if there's some kind of ranking system, and again, some of this we don't know. Uh, again, it's a lot of speculation. But if there is a system where, you know, because it does say in the Bible, you will be rewarded based on your faithfulness on earth. You get gifts in heaven, treasures in heaven, that are going to be eternal. Way better than anything here on earth. Again, we don't know what those necessarily treasures are, but we know they're going to be better than those on earth. And so somebody's lived their whole life for God and done all they could to serve God, they're going to be stored up lost of treasures in heaven. Somebody that lived most of their life apart from God, and then at the end of their life gave their life to God, probably didn't store up a lot of treasure. So although, yes, you'll still be in heaven, which is the best place you could ever be at for all eternity, your role may look different. You know, your position may be different. You know, what you do, how you worship the Lord, how you serve Him may look different. And so the reason I put that is because how you... Two in a second. Okay, so how you live today matters for all eternity. So I want you guys to think about this as we go through Revelation. Two important points here. You know, if you were to judge, would you would you be in heaven? Would you be a true follower of Christ? And if so, how you live today matters. You know, what position would, would God give you in heaven? How would you be ranked if that's the case? And, then, and then we're going to close there, Aaron. Last point, we're going to talk next week about the creatures with the crazy eyes. Okay? The last point here is this. <clears throat> um, thunder <clears throat> is a mark of judgment. And God could be pronouncing the judgment on the sinful world. As he's doing that, the creatures that we're going to talk about next week are singing, Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is for everyone basically. They're singing, Holy, holy, holy. And you go back to the word holy, it means to be set apart. It means, you know, God is apart from all this sinful world. You know, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity there, they're the only ones that have never sinned. And so as a reminder, is God pronouncing judgment? Because think about this. If somebody tells you you're wrong on something, you're naturally going to say, well, you're wrong too. You know, that's it. And, you know, if somebody says, well, Bradley, you, you did this, this, this wrong. Naturally, you're probably going to get upset and be like, well, you did this, this, this wrong. So you have nowhere, you have nowhere to talk to me, you know. 
But as God's pronouncing judgment on the world, these creatures are reminding us that God is holy. God has never sinned. He's the only one that is set apart. And as God's pronouncing judgment on us, he's right to do that because he has never sinned. And so there's nothing to point back and blame God and say, well, God, you messed up here, you messed up here, you messed up here, because he never did. So it's kind of a cool thing to think about as this judgment is being pronounced, as things are happening, you're going to see that phrase, holy, 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 all throughout Revelation, reminding people as this is happening, God is holy, he's righteous to do this, he has the power and authority to do so. So let me pray, and next we're going to talk about uh, the people, and we'll, we'll get to questions. Lord, thank you so much for showing us just your word in the throne of heaven, all the things that's going to be for us today, especially in the future. So God, I ask that my word be yours and not my own. Teach us, God, your truth in this. Teach us what to learn and to apply our lives today and to learn and apply for the future. Thank you for being holy and set apart and loving and forgiving us. And God, no matter how far we stray from you, we turn back to you. You still forgive us and love us with open arms and bring us into your throne room in heaven eventually one day. And then we pray. Let me follow the look at the questions. Yeah, Aaron.